Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Colin Nessler, and I'm here today with Tadeo Gasparetto. Hello, everyone. And Carlos Gomez. Hola, hola, hola. Tadeo, can you tell us a little bit about today's paper? Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to hear you telling us about this paper today. <laughs> so the paper that we're going to discuss is developed by Peter Pershakov, Julia Naidenov, Carlos Gomez Gonzalez, and Corno Nessler. Its title is Do LGBTQ Supportive Corporate Policies Affect Consumer Behavior? Evidence from the Video Game Industry. So it has been published in the journal Business Ethics. That's why for me it's a really pleasure to be discussing your paper today. And I would like to hear from you, your perspective about this research development. Okay, so normally our podcast works a little bit differently. We discuss a paper from someone else, but today we thought this is a very recent paper from us. So Carlos and I, we are co-authors here, and we really enjoyed working on this paper. So we are going to discuss it a bit, and hopefully Tadeo is going to give us some feedback. So basically we started with this paper, I think, two years ago when Peter talked to me about the data that he had, and he had this fantastic data set about a game called Overwatch. So if you don't know Overwatch, that's a first-person shooter, and it's immensely popular. So there are millions of people playing it, and if you go to this online page Reddit, you see that there's a huge fan base surrounding this game as well. And this game, if you start it, you can choose between 32 different characters. What is especially neat about this game is that the company that owns it, Blizzard, they have this huge marketing background story surrounding it. So every character has a history or a background story about him or herself or itself apart from the game, which is regularly updated. But suppose you choose one of the characters, they always stay the same, only their background story changes. So if you're a player, that shouldn't really affect you because you're interested in the skill set of the player normally, let's say, if you're a rational consumer. But still, the background story is in there. So not in the game, but it's surrounding the game. And I do, sorry, Conor, I do think some of the players, they also like the stories and perhaps a tiny fraction of the players, but some of them do like these stories and choose their players also because they like their backgrounds as long as the skill set remains similar. No, totally. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done it. I mean, if the background story is not important, then we wouldn't have done our research because on one day, one of the writers published that one character was gay. This character is called Soldier 76. So before that, there was no mentioning regarding his sexuality. Maybe everyone assumed that this character was heterosexual but after that everyone knew that no okay now this character is gay and our research group we ask ourselves okay what happened afterwards so are there more players picking soldier 76 now to support him or less players supporting that was really interesting because there was such a huge um, wave on social media this research group that we built was also interesting because we had very different insights into video games. For example, we have some people with a very uh, strong background and interest in video games, like Peter. And then we have other people that do not know a lot about video games, like me. And the combination was good because we all looked at the thing from a different perspective. And that was, I think, ideal to work on this project. For me, it was very similar. So when Peter talked to me in the beginning about the paper, 
I wasn't super enthusiastic about the project because I had never played Overwatch. But when I got to know more about it, every additional information I got, I mean, if you look at this immense fan base and how many people are taking this serious, I really got interested in it. One thing that I really liked that really got me into the project was thinking, why would a company like Blizzard all of a sudden publish such a story? Why would they name or label this new character as gay in the story? What's behind this? And then that kept me thinking. And then I thought that maybe they just want to increase the diversity in the video game characters. We talk a lot about role models, also for gender. And we don't have a lot of role models out there about being gay or lesbian or transgender. So I thought that could be a reason. Many supporters were complaining on social medias about Blizzard doing that. And they said now they're trying to be politically correct. But if you look at the characters, I mean, there are 32 characters and they have one lesbian character and now one gay character. It's not a huge percentage of the characters that fall into this range. So I also didn't have the feeling that Blizzard is completely exaggerating now, you know, having 90% of the players as LGBTQ. No, it was just one male player who was gay. So that shouldn't be, let's say, a huge effect. But actually, we found that for the few days following this announcement, there was really a huge drop in the pick rate. So pick rate is how often players choose a character. And it only came back after three months. So it really took a long time for the pick rate to come to the same level again. And that was uh, fascinating for us. Uh, and that was, that was like the main result, right? But then we also kept thinking, was the mechanisms behind this, why are people all of a sudden stop choosing the character? Because again, the character skill set didn't change. So the story doesn't affect the character's skill set at all. It was just about the gay story behind. And then also after the input of some anonymous referees, we decided to do some surveys to find more about this. We asked players, obviously this happened two years later, so it's probably not the same players who are answering our surveys, but we asked what was going on back then, if they remembered something, if they remembered the controversial, first of all, and then if they did, what was going on around this character. And then we had some input regarding annoying comments in the live chat of the game. So some players were making comments like, ah, this is a gay player, why are you playing with him? Or this sort of thing. So that could have played a role in the drop that we saw. And that's why we also did the service afterwards. And Carlos, if you would, let's say, single out one comment from a player or one thing that a player said, do you have any idea what that would be? They had something interesting. The one that it also got me thinking, it was striking, was like players react very different or male players react very different to gay characters and lesbian characters. Lesbian is somehow more accepted within this first-person shooting video games. And it is a pity that we don't have individual information about the players. So we don't really know who these players are in our sample. We don't know if they're female, male, how old they are. Because I would love to see if this result is primarily driven by male or female, or if age plays a role, it would be cool. Yeah, for me, it was one comment was really interesting, and that was the one regarding the players that make those let's say homophobic comments because a few of them said that it's mainly let's say younger players or young men who make those comments and this somehow 
downplayed it for some, but still I found it very interesting in the combination. So, but Tadeo, now you've heard us talking about the paper and you've heard our comments. So what do you think? Give us some negative feedback. No, come on. Firstly, the positive ones then. It's like, I like very much the paper you two know and Peter Yule as well. It's like, I've heard about this paper since, I guess, the very earliest draft. I've seen people presenting our internal workshops. And I mean, I really see potential in this idea. And for me, it's very nice to see that it's published in, in a good journal. So you did a very great job collecting data, analyzing the data, developing the manuscript. And I mean, I could be spending 20 minutes saying only, only good things about. So just to have some kind of potential ideas when Carlos was saying about this background of the players, I guess this would be the nicest addition that you could have from not for this paper in particular, but perhaps some further research is that understanding the difference of the attitudes of AO or female or depending on the sexual orientations as well. So whether LGBTQ person react differently or not to a straight or heterosexual person. So such information would be extremely valuable, even I mean, let's say for the game perspective, in order to make such decisions, but also in other managerial elements as well, because it could be valuable for companies understanding how people tend to react. I completely agree. And I would love to have, let's say, nationality as an addition to that. We tried to get that, but it was close to impossible. And the other one would be age for me, really, because it would be very interesting for me to get this as well. But Tadeo, what else do you have? Well, something else. I mean, I made some points here. I told about the country difference, the cultural differences, perhaps social condition. If, let's say, if you have some subsample of a single country, see what the sector of the society reacts differently toward this would be interesting as well. And let's say, I don't have very clear the idea of CSR, whether it was a proper corporate social responsibility for the company, or it was a kind of, I don't know, media strategy that they have to get a new kind of consumers or to just to introduce such LGBTQ product-oriented. So, I mean, for me, it wasn't very clear because I'm not familiar with the games. So for me, it's very hard. I mean, I've heard Overwatch really recently when supervised one student, so I really don't know properly about the game. So it's really difficult to say. This is a good point, actually. We, we tried to contact Blizzard and trying to get the input about this topic, like the reasons behind this, why did they choose to label this as a gay connector? But we didn't get an answer, so we cannot get any insight from them. This is, of course, open for discussion. Huh? No, I mean, it's always difficult to get such kind of information. And I mean, I really appreciate that. Let's say you contact players to get the potential mechanism. You try to contact Blizzard to understand what this policy is. So this is very nice. And I was just wondering whether other games had similar situation. It would be interesting to see. I mean, this is not part of your own research, but people can do it later on that could be interesting and for me as well let's say a potential further research let's say use the mechanism somehow like the habituation because in one of your graphs that is very nice to show that has a negative peak and then it returned after three months so let's say it returned to the original level after 
time. So for companies, they can understand that they may expect some kind of negative result, but then it returned to normality. So you say two potential mechanisms that would be habituation of these characters, or also that the decrease in harsh comments. So you couldn't done it that time, but further research could try to track it. So track these potential elements that can allow the return to normality. That would be very interesting too. So I don't know. I have some other points. I don't think we can extend it very much, not make the longest episode ever. And again, congratulations for the paper, guys. Really happy to discuss it with you. Cornel, Tadeo, thank you very much. This is everything for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the weekly sports piece. Stay tuned 